Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, December 10th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to have a discussion about Rise of the Resistance. This is the new ride at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Florida, and it's coming to Disneyland next month. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serrata, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Managing Editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. Or also known as the the other theme park fanatic on uh, the, the site, <laughs> Peter. I was intensely jealous of this trip. This uh, I still haven't been to Galaxy's Edge in either Disneyland or Disney World, and this ride sounds. I guess uh, <laughs> not to jump too far ahead, but this, this ride sounds pretty incredible. It it is. Um, you know, first of all, I should say that uh, Disney Parks did fly me out. They provided me with tickets and uh, provided me with some meals and uh, some accommodations. Uh, that should be said, but um, you know what? I also get provided with movies from movie studios, and that does not, uh, you know, stop me from saying things are bad or whatnot. So uh, I'm going to be completely honest with you here. Although this reaction is going to be pretty on the extreme positive side of things. Yeah. So I w- just 
for people who are listening, we are going to get into the ride spoilers eventually, but the first part of this, we're going to keep it in general, kids' reaction in general. So you can listen to the first half and duck out, or you can listen to the whole thing, because I get the impression, Peter, that uh, hearing about this ride, maybe even watching a ride through on YouTube like I have, is not the same thing as actually being in that vehicle during the actual experience. Yeah, no, I've I've talked to people online. It's so strange because... Well, we have the second most viewed uh, on Ordinary Adventures. We have the second most viewed video on all of the internet for this ride, Rise of the Resistance. So we're getting a lot of comments. And it's funny how some of these comments are like, oh, this just looks like it's another screen ride or whatever. And I'm like, are you nuts? All of this is practical. So it's, it's very strange to see what some people are thinking they're seeing at parts of this this ride video but um yeah this is it's insane it's unlike any ride i've ever been on it you know it's a combination of rides and it's like four different rides in one we can talk about that later uh it makes you feel like you are in the movies it as an experience from you know pre-show scenes to the you know the actual ride itself i you know, I was never able to time it properly because it was never working to its optimal um, effect. You know, there was always like a bottleneck in the middle or something like that. But I'm assuming it's at least 20 minutes, if not like, you know, I think regular people, this ride is going to be like a 30 minute experience from the point, not the point that you get in line, but the point in line where the story begins and hits like, you know, high gear. Yeah, I want to get into specifics in a little bit. So I kind of want to start from the broadest possible point and work my way in, which is uh, as theme park fanatics and people who read Slashdom.com uh, and follow this podcast may know, uh, Galaxy Edge was supposed to open with this ride ready. It was supposed to have two rides, <laughs> this and Smuggler's Run, the Million Falcon ride. But this one was delayed for technical reasons and opening months later. Uh, so I guess this is a two-part question, Peter. Now that Rise of Resistance is here, does Galaxy's Edge feel truly complete in a way it maybe didn't when it first opened? Uh, and... Does it does it by itself feel ready? Because there's been a lot of downtime, and, and people have been saying that it's been a, glitchy and shutting down more often than it should. So I'll let you address both of those, please. I, I will say that Galaxy's Edge, uh, I love Galaxy's Edge, but you know it it was half open. It did feel like they opened the land without like maybe thirty three percent of it open. Like there was a whole area to the west side of Galaxy's Edge which was basically useless because, you know, it's just an entry queue for that ride that doesn't exist and there was, you know, maybe a you know, resistance merchandise, but there was really nothing there. Uh, you know, some people I read a lot about the complaints of Galaxy's Edge and one of the complaints about Galaxy's Edge is that there is no Star Wars music while you're walking around you're you're instead the imagineers instead decided to transport us to a world in the star wars galaxy so you're getting the ambient noises you're you're hearing the ships fly overhead you're hearing the creatures in the forest you're hearing you know the the weird alien uh radio stations and stuff like that but you don't hear the classic star wars music and i've heard a bunch of complaints about that and I would say that finally, when with this ride, when you get to be at the center of your own, you know, epic Star Wars story and the music kicks in, I feel like that it now makes it all worth it because the lack of that, you know, that music and with that throughout the land now it now feels like, you know, you know, shit has gotten real. And, like you, you know, you are part of like a climactic battle in Star Wars. And so I, I do feel like that, you know, does fill in the gap a little bit. 
but does the variety feel ready? That's one thing I've heard people complain about is that <laughs> it's, it's it's down too often. And that's the same thing happened with uh, the Haggard roller coaster at Universal earlier this year, which is that it opened, people love it, but it's also down half the time. Uh, so when you were writing this, did you notice any areas where you said, hmm, maybe this isn't fully baked yet? Or is that just, you know, the growing pains of any new attraction? I got to ride it seven times, and there was only – there was a couple times where I was, like, waiting in a in, in between queue thing for an extended period of time so you could tell something went wrong. But there was only one time where an effect or a thing ha- happened that was not supposed to happen, if that makes sense. But I was never stuck on my ride vehicle. I did hear from – some press at the event that that did happen, that they were stuck on, you know, the ride for 45 minutes. There was points where I was trying to get onto the ride and it was shut down for a couple hours. Uh, it does seem like this is, you know, the the far edge of – they're using advanced technology and it does seem like uh, they're still working out the kinks. Like when we were there on the press day, we were not allowed to bring our phone. We We were told to put our phones on airplane mode. Not not because they didn't want us to film, but because apparently the phones somehow interfere with the ride system in some way. <laughs> I don't know. Like so, I I don't know how they're going to manage that with like general public. Uh, but I do know that you know I was there on day one. I did get to go on day one as well, and they do they're doing this boarding group thing where you get you go on your uh, Disney app and you get into a boarding group to. So you're not, like, waiting in line to be on this ride. And from what I can tell, the boarding groups are, like, groups of, like, you know, 30 or 50 or 70 people. You know, a small group of people. So you don't even know. Like, I think they're avoiding some of this problem by you're not even sure that something has gone wrong. Because only the people in that boarding group will know that something went wrong, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. All right, so let's start with the non-spoiler setup for the ride. Uh, you're on the planet Batu, and yeah. there's the whole city area. It's been taken over by the First Order. But you walk to the outskirts of the land, sort of in the, in the forest, where you find that the Resistance base has been established. So what is it like when you approach Resistance base? This is a line queue to enter the ride, is walking through the base. Yeah. Uh, and Disney you know, always <laughs> finds ways to reinvent the line queue and make it an experience in of itself. So what is it like to enter this base? What do you see when you go in? This might be the longest queue line I've ever seen in any theme park ever. <laughs> and I'm not sure uh, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, it is hidden within the mountains. There's like these waterfalls and there's like a forest. And, and you get to go in there and it, you get to see parts of like this, uh, these ancient ruins, which if you read, there's a book out there called Black Spire. You get to learn all about this base and, you know, why it's there and about the, the ruins and stuff like that. So there is some backstory. Uh, while you're going through these caves, you're seeing like, you know, this makeshift resistance operation. Like there's rooms with like their medical supplies, rooms with their like uh, blasters and thermal detonators and stuff like that. So like you're, you're hearing chatter overhead through the radios, but there's not like anything too exciting going on. It's not like, um, did you go on Flight of Passage? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not like that where you're like you know seeing a full size Navi or anything like that. Um, it's just uh, you, you feel like you're in the world of Star Wars, but like yeah, you know the anticipation is 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 ramping up. But there were a lot of little details. Like I, I watched like a dozen YouTube walkthroughs because yeah. I'm so excited. And it, like little things like walking through a tunnel and you realize this is not a natural tunnel. It's not been laser cut by equipment to, to create a passage for the resistance. And I feel like there's stuff like that. Like the attention to detail. Uh, is seems second to none, even if there's no actual storytelling in this initial queue. 
Oh, for sure. And uh, all of it somehow feels Star Wars, even though you're like in a cave. Um, they they did a really really good job of that. Uh, I I don't know. I, I I can't imagine like once they stop doing these boarding groups, being in this queue for <laughs> three, four, or five hours. I'm, I'm sure some people will be in line that long. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I mean eventually they'll have fast pass. I, I I got to go on the fast pass queue and that looked a lot uh, more manageable to me. All right, so while we're still in the setup mode, this like we won't get on the actual ride spoilers yet, folks. Uh, but eventually, you make your way through the base, and you start encountering some familiar faces who inform you what's going on and send you on a mission. So who do you meet, and what do they tell you? Well, should we consider this spoiler or not spoiler? Like, what, what, hmm. uh, what do people think? Like, you know, I, I'm going to say right now, if people want to go in completely not knowing anything, you know, turn to not now, but... Um, I don't know. The, the ride does not begin for a little bit. Yeah, but if you if you consider the queue not a spoiler, you can keep on listening. If you think the queue is a spoiler, uh, you know, feel free to turn to yeah. now. Now, I would argue that the the experience of the ride begins now, and uh, that begins in you, you get put into this briefing room, and uh, BB-8 is above. There's an animatronic BB-8. It's almost very like like Rocket Raccoon is in Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. He's like up on this like ledge. Uh, so you can't like you know get a photo with him or anything, and that's probably by design. And uh, he's up there like uh, doing stuff with the computers, and we hear that there's going to be a holo message incoming from Ray. So uh, he starts that message, and right next to it, there's like this big like I don't know what you'd call it, like a collider like machine where Ray's message, uh, you know, like a hologram, like you see in the Star Wars movies, appears. And I'm sure they're using Pepper's ghost to create this, like, which is the technology that was used on Haunted Mansion. And it's used, you know, if you've seen, like, the hologram of Tupac or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. It all well, uses... old school theme park objects. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, but I, you know, having experienced this, like, a half dozen times, I can't tell where the screen is and where the pane of glass is. Like, it, it's really hidden. Really well. Anyways, I, I'm the kind of guy that look, looks for those seams, and I, I could not tell. It, it does seem like it is Pepper's Ghost, but I can't tell where it is. So, uh, But basically, Ray comes on uh, the screen, and she she gives you the plot of the ride. She says, the First Order is sending a, a fleet to Batuu. Uh, it's no longer safe here. And she knows this because Finn has infiltrated the Star Destroyer. And uh, we need to basically go to the new resistance base on Picara, and uh, that's where General Organa is. And uh, she tells us it's very important that we don't tell, you know, the First Order cannot know about Picara because that's where Organa is, and that's where the resistance, you know, the majority of the resistance is. Uh, which makes me wonder why did she tell us that information? Why not just like put us on a a transport and be like, we're we're bringing you someplace safe? <laughs> but... then, then where are the stakes? You got to be like. <laughs> you're, on a, you're on a mission here. You like it makes you an active participant in the, in the drama instead of an, uh, an observer. Which you know, even yeah. though you're, you're you're still sitting uh, sitting idly for the, for most of this attraction as things happen around you, the fact that you have information that the villains may need makes you at least feel like you're a vital part of the story. Oh, for so, sure. And, and sometime during this point, like uh, I think Ray or someone tells BB-8 that he needs to go suit up uh, with Poe's X-wing, so he like rolls away and uh we're basically told that uh we're gonna go you know that poe dameron is gonna escort us 
to uh, this new resistance base. And then we're going to get on a transport ship with Lieutenant Beck, who is a Mon Calamari. Uh, he is uh, named after uh, Carrie Beck. And uh, he, also uh, Nine Numb. So uh, he, who's going to be piloting this transport ship. And, and we, for uh, non-Star Wars super fans, Mon Calamari is the uh, animal Akbar species, and Nine Numb is Lando's co-pilot in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Poe gives us a message on the on, on video basically saying, like, uh, you know, he'll get us there safely. And he puts on his helmet. And just then, uh, while he's suiting up and stuff, the doors open. And it opens to the outside. You are now somewhere else in the Resistance, like, the, that, that forest area. And there's the this resistance transport ship, which I think might've been designed for force awakens. I'm not sure if it was in force awakens, uh, but it's in front of you to the side of you is Poe's black X-wing, which doesn't make much sense because that blew up in last Jedi. And this was to take place between last Jedi and rise of Skywalker, but we'll ignore that for now. I guess he has, he can paint his new X-wing, whatever color he wants. Right. Uh, and, uh, Peter, how cool is it that you, I feel like so often in ride queues, once you're inside, you're inside. So going in and out not only is a nice change of scenery, but it adds a sense of dimension and texture to the experience, right? Yeah, no, it, it, a total nice change of texture. And you're, you're kind of like, how are they like keeping this area? Because it, like, it feels like it's just right next to where you would be if you were outside, you know, in Batu, but like, it's so isolated that you don't hear it or you can't even see it from the outside or in the, in, you know, you can't see it from the inside. Um, and there's a full size X-Wing there. Uh, BB-8 is in the back. Uh, you know, there's probably a mannequin or something inside. I couldn't really get a good look at Poe, but I don't think it's an animatronic. Um, and the resistance, uh, people there are trying to get, you know, get you closer to the, uh, the this transport ship that's going to take off. And I, I think this is going to become a little bit of a bottleneck because people with their cell phones are going to want to take pictures in front of Poe's X-Wing and BB-8 and stuff like that. But, like, they're, they're kind of rushing you as this transport ship kind of turns on and the engines start to start up and stuff like that. And then the doors open and uh, they're like, get on, get on, quick, quick. You know, there's a sense of urgency here. Like, the, the First Order are coming and we need to get away ASAP. How are the uh, Disney cast members? Are they all in character? Is, are they effectively in character? Because I feel like there's a fine balance you need to walk here of being a useful ride manage, line manager, of making sure you, you go where you need to go, <laughs> that you are informed, but also trying to maintain the drama of the situation. Yeah, it, it's – um. well, these cast members I think aren't giving much time because they're really just there to like increase the urgency of the situation and – be like, you know, there's no time for photos. Come on, we gotta get, we gotta get off air before you know the first order shows up. Uh, I'll talk about the cast members, uh, where we end up going in a little bit, um, in case people want to tune out before then. But um, I we... think this is the second spoiler barrier because we're about to enter the first ride vehicle of the attraction. Yeah. <laughs> and this is this is the only thing I I wonder because the commercials for this ride show you what the ride is. They show you it's this trans, it's this trackless vehicle inside a star destroyer, right? Like that is all over the marketing for this, for this ride. I wonder how many people are going to come onto this ride not knowing that and think that while they're entering this transport ship that this is the ride. Yeah, so let's talk about this. This is a, a standing room uh, transport ship uh, with a with with screens and windows. It's sort of a 
uh, Star Tours type technology, but on a smaller scale, right? Yeah, no, and it, it moves. It uh, like in the front, there is a full size animatronic of that Lieutenant Beck, and it's it's incredible. It's probably one of the best animatronics I've ever seen. And he's uh, talking to us, and you know, r- talking to the radio and stuff like that. While there's a screen in front of him that has, I think, Ninem and the uh, the look to the outside space. There isn't any screens on the sides, but there is also screens on the back. So it's actually interesting. There's multiple ways to experience this attraction and especially this part of the attraction. So you you're taking off and going into space and at some point you encounter, you know, the first order and they're uh, trying to use the tractor beam to uh, bring you into their star destroyer. And it's interesting because you can watch it from the front side where there's like Poe and the X-Wings are trying to fight them off. Or you can watch it from the back side where you're getting tractor beamed into the star destroyer and you see the stormtroopers get, get into like their, you know, rows and are at attention. Like, and it's, it's interesting because you can't see it all in one visit. And I've, while experiencing this attraction, I recently have been watching that Imagineering story show on Disney Plus, and I forget who it was. Maybe it was Joe Rody or someone. One of the big Imagineers said something like, "He doesn't design a ride for the first time experience; he designs it for the fifteenth time experience." And I feel like this ride is that. That like there, there are so many details. Uh, I've ridden it seven times and I have not, you know, every single time I notice new details and new uh, th- things that I had not noticed before. So it, it's just, it's just cool that like, you know, even if you're stuck in the back a far, far away from the animatronic, you do get your own little show in the, from the, the back windows. All right. So as you said, your uh, ship is being targeted by the first order. You're in a tractor beam. There's a fight going on around you. It's all very dramatic, but this may be one of the, coolest quiet things uh that was that you experienced in this ride and that kind of blew me my mind when I what they were doing is that while your ship is shaking and being jostled about by tractor beam and while you're being pulled into star destroyer the line room you're in is rotating and you exit through the same door you entered through so it looks like you've actually gone somewhere yeah. So what do you what do you see when the, when the doors open? <laughs> well, first of all, I'd like to say I'm I, I'm very curious. I wish I could do a survey and see how many people actually noticed this insane detail because you, you literally go in one door and by the time you're tractor beamed, that that same door opens and you're now on a big star destroyer. Uh, you know, in a uh, one of the um, hangars of a star destroyer, and it's funny because I was recording this my first few times on. This attraction and every single time because there's two doors, there's the door you walk in and there's a door on the other side of the the transport ship. And every single time as we were like about to get boarded, my recording went panned over to the other door, even though I knew I knew before I even came on this attraction that I was going to go out the same door I came in. But you're so used to. With these theme park attractions, you know, coming in one door and going out another, it, it's, you know, it's part of the language. Uh, so it's very odd. And I'm wondering how many people are actually going to notice uh, this insane detail that we're, you know, leaving out the same door we came in and now we're in a totally different place. But uh, the people that do notice are going to be insanely impressed. And by the way, people that don't notice are still going to be insanely impressed because this is like, I think, probably the biggest set I've ever seen in any theme park ride ever. You are in the hangar of a Star Destroyer. There are full-size TIE fighters in there. There is 50 stormtroopers. They're slightly moving. If I had one complaint, 
it's that they you know they don't have the budget to make you know 50 animatronic stormtroopers so some of them are moving their heads some of them are slightly moving their guns and i i said this to brian young who was with me on my first experience with this ride and he was like well they're supposed to be out of tension so they're not supposed to be moving I was like, okay, Brian, you, you won this one. <laughs> but, um, uh, so, uh, but you're you're in this hangar, and uh, you can even look back, and your ship, like, it, basically, they had to build two of these ships, these transport ships, because you look back, and the transport ship is now in this hangar. It it, it is insane. Like, I, I, you can't. There's no way to capture this on video, on photo. I. I tried to take a photo of it with my iPhone, like a wide angle lens. And even that could not fit the massiveness of this room in one shot. And this is room, uh, just uh, a line or do you see it to be like a, a holding room where it's like, wait for the next group to move forward. Stand here, take some pictures for five minutes. Well, uh, what's actually interesting is one of the first order officers boards your ship. Like, so they're not just like waiting for you outside as the doors open. Like they come aboard and they're like, come this way we're gonna interrogate you and like they're like bring you to the interrogation but uh or they direct you towards the interrogation which is down a hallway but i think this is really clever because i think disney knows that people are going to want to spend some time in this room and take some photos and some video and it's designed in a way that i think i have not really experienced this like with you know massive crowds but i think you could basically spend as much time as you want on the, in there before you have to like move forward to the next line area to go to your interrogation cell. So uh, I, I think there's going to be a lot of people in here just taking, like this is the the place in the ride where you like get the photo of the lifetime that you're going to put on your Instagram. It's like uh, there's just massive opportunity in there. And I think, I think this, this area is a lot smarter than for that, than the, you know, the area outside the transport ship with uh, Pose X-Wing. Like, I feel like that, like they're going to have some trouble like moving people along, I think. So here's my next question uh, regarding the cast members playing the First Order officers. When my brother was a, a Disney intern way over a decade ago, uh, he said that all the Disney employees, all the cast members uh, who worked rides and lines all wanted to be Haunted Mansion or Tower of Terror because they could wear a cool costume and like be characters. And I feel like this feels like the next evolution of uh, cast member uh, line management playing full-fledged characters who are you know, ordering you about and – you know, being evil sons of bitches. <laughs> How does that work out? They are all like, I don't know if I just got the cream of the crop because I was there for the press event, but they were all like extremely in character. They were walking that that line of being dicks and talking down to us, but also not like, you know, in a way that I don't think you could probably do in any other part of the Disney park, but not like in a way that is not family friendly and you, you feel bad about yourself. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. The cast members I experienced were incredible. Like, some of the best uh, cast member experiences. Uh, you, you can watch the video. And I only, I think, put, like, one of the, like, interactions on there. But uh, it's just funny how they, they kind of have to walk that line of, like, giving you an instruction and getting you where you need to go in this ride. But also, like, you know, calling you resistant scum and, you know mocking you <laughs> so you are taken from this hangar bay uh down a series of corridors to an interrogation room correct yeah interrogation hallway you're led there and you're told to like uh they put you in these like 
there's these colors on the ground and they're like, you know, you're in the red color. Remember that. And it, it, it's actually kind of weird because it seems very unnecessary to put us in these color groups. And as you'll see uh, later on, like the color groups uh, connect to the ride vehicles, which are these ride vehicles of your escape vehicles. So it's like, why are the first order people telling me my color group? It just doesn't make much sense. But um, I'm wondering if they're going to get rid of that because I'm not even sure it's necessary. We we can talk about that then. But okay, so we are brought into our interrogation selves. And these are like these triangular rooms. There's a second level and uh, Hux and uh, Kylo Ren appear on the second level. They're they appear there using some kind of Pepper's Ghost or screen technology. It looks like they're up there and they're uh, talking to us and they're trying to get uh, the information from us. They want to know where the Resistance hidden base is. And this is uh, this has like one of my favorite unnoticed effects of the whole thing because they're up there and there's like these uh, lights behind them. And because of that, like on the ceiling, you can see as like they walk and pace back and forth, the shadows from them stepping in front of these lights are reflecting on the ceiling. And it's it, it's one of these things that it's obviously a projection of some kind, like they animated their shadows and put it on the ceiling. But it, it makes it makes them feel like you, it makes you feel like you're not watching a screen, that there's actually people up there. And uh, it's just one of those, like, cool little – I mean, it's not, like, one of those things that's going to blow anybody away, but it's a cool touch that I think, like, just adds to the experience. Right, here's a quick aside. Uh, when I was in Disney World over the summer, I rode and loved Avatar Flight of Passage several times. Uh, but when I get – when you get towards the front of the line, it was like, okay, we need to start coordinating you off in different rooms. We need to start getting you situated for the ride. We need to kill some more time. We're going to put you in this room and have you scan for alien viruses and Sky talk to you for a good, feels like eight to ten minutes. And as impressive as it all is, you kind of realize, oh, they're just sitting us in this room and killing time. Does any of these rooms ever feel like you're killing time or is it all paced well? I don't know. It's pretty paced well. Like it, it all feels like, except for you waiting to get into the interrogation room, it feels like you're it never feels like you're in a line it feels like you're in part of the experience it feels i know what you're talking about you're talking about the moment where the guy's like scanning you and stuff like that it takes so long (laughs) yeah yeah no this feels like you're you're having an an encounter with kylo ren and hux and uh where is it going to go from here because you've been led into this from you know this star destroyer hallway into a room that is you know just like the haunted mansion it has no windows, no doors. It's this triangular room. Like, how are you going to escape? Like, there's no way you're going to climb up to the second level. Uh, so it, it, it kind of, like, gets your mind thinking. And, yeah, that uh, means it's a really cool effect. The, the escape effect was something I was not expecting. It yeah. looked, it, how, how was, on a video, you can kind of see the seams. You can kind of see how it works because, you know, I feel like the video kind of hurts the illusion a little bit. In person, how does it look? And what is it? Well, okay, so Hux and Ren get called away. They're, they're needed on the bridge. And just then there's kind of like this projection effect on the one of the walls that like looks like a laser cutting a door into the wall. And then the door gets like removed and you're able to move into the next room. Uh, I would say that I had heard about this ahead of time and uh, I'm a little disappointed. Like I, I do think it like what you see in the videos does kind of look like what you see. Because it's it does look like a projection. It doesn't look like it's actually like the wall is heating up and being cut out. 
Um, and then when it does open, the the cut of the wall is kind of like the square cut. It's not like this uneven cut. So it, it does not look great. But that said, I will say there is an interesting um, effect that they do is while you're walking through this makeshift door into the next room, you see the edges of the wall that's been cut out and it's like red hot. And as you're like walking to your vehicle and stuff, it starts to like cool down and orange and then it just becomes black. Like, so they must have some lights inside the sides of the door. And like that, that effect is really cool. But I think people are going to be so like, just like, what is going on here that it's not going to matter that the effect isn't like amazing. Yeah. And, but also it is generally cool that on a narrative level, that, like, I think of Honda Mansion, it's a famous example, where you're in a room with no exits, and the lights go off, and the door opens, and, and the surprise is, oh, there was a hidden door all along. Whereas the surprise here is, oh, you're being rescued by resistance members who are, who are cast members whose job is to get you into the vehicle and finish the ride. Uh, but it's all a narrative connection thing as opposed to, oh, time to move to the next room. It is, nope, here's an urgent thing. You've been cut out by these people these people who are, who are going to get you to the safety. And that is a really cool, dramatic choice. Yeah. And then in the next room, there's some resistance soldiers who are like, you know, getting these vehicles. We have like, you know, reprogrammed these droids that are, you know, the people like uh, the things that control these vehicles. And, you know, we're going to get you out of here. And uh, here is where they're like, remember those colors that you stood on outside, get into the row with that color. And it's like, that doesn't make any thematic sense. Like, there, there's two vehicles in this room. Each vehicle holds eight people. There's two rows of four. Why not just, like, have people, like, you know, in old Disneyland rides, it's not like you stand on a color or something. They're like, you know, when the ride comes down and people get off, go to the first vehicle or, you know, first seat you can get to. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a free-for-all. Yeah. What? Why isn't it just a free-for-all? It doesn't make any sense to me. My guess is to try to maximize efficiency, but I think you're right, and we'll probably see some adjustments as they figure out how to properly load this vehicle. And my, my, my experience also is that people don't remember that color, and it ends up being a clusterfuck anyways because people are sitting in the color that you got, and you're like, okay, I got to go to the other. It's just like if you had just like had a resistance guy in there being like, you know, quick, get in. Like I feel like that would make more sense to me, but I don't know. I want to talk about these, before we get into the spoilers, because we're about to enter our last spoiler threshold of the final portion of the ride <laughs> itself. These vehicles are trackless vehicles, and we've seen these in a lot of international Disney parks. Uh, but and there's gonna be this is for example what they use for Mystic Manor at Disney Hong Kong, the Ratatouille ride at Disneyland Paris, which is coming to Epcot uh, next year. These are trackless, meaning that they essentially are have a giant computer operating them, and the, it communicates with the other ride vehicles, and it means they can kind of sort of improvise his way through the uh, ride. It gives you a different experience every time. It can take alternate routes. And essentially, you don't see where you're going because uh, the, there is no track. The computer is deciding the track for you. Was this your first time on a vehicle like this, Peter? Yeah. I have never been to Japan or any of those, like, you know, uh, Ratatouille in Paris. Um, this is my first time on a trackless vehicle. And I am – or actually, no, I, I'll, that's a lie. I have been – in Disney California Adventure, there is – a a ride in Cars Land that uses these trackless vehicles that dance around. It's a Luigi. <laughs> uh, I forget what it's called, but uh, you know it, it's a it's not what it's not using the, the this technology to the full extent. You know, it's it's a bunch of cars in a uh, dance uh, venue. You know, dancing around. So, uh, but this is the first time like actually on a dark ride using these vehicles, and I I can see the full appeal of these because 
this ride, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, like, the ride vehicles do split off and go in different directions, you know, in a way that you couldn't do it if there was just, like, one track. Um, I can't wait until we get to the point where you have these vehicles. Uh, obviously, I, I don't think you could do it with this ride, but, like, in future rides where the experience every time could be different because, you know, the the – the way that one of these ride vehicles is going to go is programmed per vehicle. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think that will be like the full realization of this technology. Uh, it should also be noted that these droids that are in front, they're in the front row of the vehicle and they're the our unit droids. They're the ones in the story that are, uh, they've been reprogrammed by Finn, and they're going to help you get out of this super, uh, the Star Destroyer. And uh, there's in Galaxy's Edge, there's this whole data pad technology. And while you're in the actual queue, that long queue that I was talking about, there is uh, apparently a game that, like, if you are part of the Resistance, you were in the queue doing this game, helping helping Finn reprogram these these uh, R unit droids. So that's like something you can do while you're in line. And if you're part of the, the first order side of things, you were like telling the reason, uh, the first order, uh, where, where you are and stuff like that. So that, that you are actually responsible for why they have found the location and, uh, you have to get off, but to right away. So, uh, th- th- there's some interactive elements there, but you know, not interactive enough that it, it, uh, actually changes anything, but, it, uh, it, I guess a fun waste of time in, in the queue. Yeah, and the I should say that the uh, droid to the driving vehicle reminded me so much of the of ET Adventure, where you have the ET oh, yeah. uh, sitting in the front of your basket. So it gave me an, I don't know if that was an intentional nod cause it's from different companies, but it definitely reminded me of like the next generation of hey, there's a character on your vehicle. I, I really appreciate that. They definitely are the next generation of that because ET like. You know, his head goes up, and that's about it. Here, they're interacting with the story. By the end of the ride, you actually feel like they're a character in this in this this journey. So, it, like, it, it, like it's so many people. I, I saw so many people like petting the the droids on their head and taking photos with the droids. It, it's it, it's a really uh, fun part of the experience. All right, so let's do a walkthrough of the ride. And this is, you know, if if you come this far, maybe you want to hear this, but if this is your last spoiler warning, we are going to walk through uh, this ride, probably scene by scene, because uh, Peter's yeah. been it seven times. He can probably tell us what happens. Uh, so, Peter, uh, full spoiler mode now. Yeah. You guys set off, and uh, you, you uh, Lieutenant Beck has a voiceover. I, I really love this voiceover because he's like, hey, Rebel Spies, it's time to escape. Please, please watch your children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that part I, I laughed at that every single time. I'm glad you noticed that, Jacob, because <laughs> I, I was not going to bring that up. That that is a hilarious moment. But uh, yeah, so this first room you're in, I guess the Imagineers call it the disco room, and I, I guess that's because as your two vehicles leave, there's also two other vehicles that are like dancing around you, going into the area that you had left from. Um, so I guess it's kind of like a disco. And it, while you're in here, you're basically explained that the the droids are going to bring you to uh, escape pods and you're going to get off the Star, De- Star Destroyer. Um, and uh, you're brought into this hallway, which looks like every you know First Order hallway you've seen, down to a lift. But at the end of the where this shaft is, where this lift is supposed to be, a, a uh, probe droid uh, from Empire Strikes Back uh, comes 
floating down the the lift, and he's like analyzing stuff on the walls with that fix- familiar droid noise, that very satisfying probe droid noise. Yeah, and I'm not even sure how this works. Maybe it's just like an as simple as an arm, like from behind, uh, bringing him down or something. But it, it, it's pretty effective, and uh, at that point, like both vehicles, uh, you know, back up and try to find a, a different. Uh, way out of there we uh go into Wait, i'm sorry peter i, I, I gotta yeah. ask this there's a few points in this ride where i feel like one vehicle gets a better look at something compared to, to the other uh like one of them for example gets up close and personal with the probe droid, like right in front of it the other one's behind it does the car behind that still get a satisfying view of the probe droid or is it or do you want to try to fight for a better car it, it does get a satisfying view of the probe droid but it, it's tough, Jacob, because there's no way – I was trying to find out, like, what's the way to ensure that you're in a certain vehicle that will give you a certain experience. And as far as I can tell, there's n- no way to to determine that. Like, it's not like I can be like, go to the car with the, the red color robe because that's the color – you know, that's the better experience. But uh, each car has its own different experience. There's two different experiences, and we'll I'll, – I'll try to detail both of them as we, as we go on. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I would say it's, you want to be closer. And I would also say if you have the choice, probably try to get the front row, because if you're not in the front row, you're probably going to have people in front of you with their phones out, Instagramming, videotaping, because this ride sadly is made for that. Do you know what I mean? Like you've waited hours in line and like, you know, have you really experienced this, uh, Jacob, if you haven't Instagrammed it onto your stories? Uh, Peter, I'm so old. I can't. I can't imagine <laughs> trying like prioritizing down on a ride. I want to. I want to soak it all in. I want to look for all the details. But yeah. I'm, I'm old school, I guess. <laughs> also, I was in with groups of media, which all their whole purpose was to get content. So it was it was that times ten. Um, but okay, so you are you back up. You go into this other room, which has a turbo lift, and um, we are. We're supposed to get on these turbo lifts, but there's these stormtroopers on catwalks above, and I this is created with another screen effect, and they're above, and they notice us, and they're like, "Hey, no, you're not authorized to go here." And then they're like, "Oh wait, those are the prisoners," and then they start shooting at us. But of course, they're stormtroopers, so they they miss, uh, <laughs> but they hit the walls, and the walls begin to like, you see the blaster fire like break parts of the walls, and I, I honestly don't know how this effect is done. But it's it's so magical and it so... must be projection mapping or some kind, right? Like like uh, which is if you've seen the Disney Castle shows, then you, you've seen like them project. Uh, it, it's not projection mapping. It it's is not really. No, it. Uh, someone explained to me that it's effect. I'm not sure if this is true, but someone explained to me that there's an effect where you can put like chicken wire and then like project something on that, and it looks like the panel is there and then when you're not projecting it and you're lighting from behind you can tell that like it like the dam- like because the damage was 3D if that makes sense so you could see that it was like not a projection it was like actually damage on the prop um but yeah i don't know I, i'm not i'm not exactly sure how it's done but it, it looks cool i'll say yeah. that either way it's wildly impressive even on video yeah so you back up you're getting away from the stormtroopers before they actually get a, a good shot at you and uh you, you back up into this at room it's like this room with uh these two huge epic ATATs. Uh, at at however you want to say it. Yeah, for, for those of you who want to get non Star Wars nerds, the giant four legged walkers from Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, and these um this room is huge. Uh, these ATATs are 
I think almost life size. Uh, they seem epically sized, and there's two of them in there. And one of my uh, another one of my uh, effects that I noticed that I think many people won't notice until many ride throughs is behind the two ATATs. There's like a mirror which makes the room look like it keeps on going, and there's more ATATs. So it, it's actually uh, pretty cool. Like it looks bigger than it actually is, and. Um, we try to like there's some doors there so we try to head towards those doors for the lifts and those doors shut and right as they shut stormtroopers are firing at us again these are stormtroopers that are on screens and but there's the blaster fire like there's like some great lighting effect it feels like it's all around you and uh instead of going into these doors we have to back up and go into lifts and this is where the ride vehicles kind of split. One of the ride vehicles goes to the front side of the ATAT, like uh, if you were like looking head on at it, like a you know you, like you were gonna look at your dog in the eyes, uh, and the other one goes to the side. And there's two lifts there that bring you up. Well, Finn's like telling you there's a Finn animatronic there. By the way, this is something I did not know. There's a Finn animatronic. He's in a stormtrooper outfit. Uh, he has his helmet off and he's shooting at the stormtroopers, uh, trying to, you know, give you some time to escape. And uh, he's like, go, go, he's basically yelling at you that you shouldn't be going up. You're, you should be going down. But of course, your droid, you know, does, is not smart. Um, and it's interesting, too, because you get two different experiences here. So if you're at the front, you have Finn there on the side standing up shooting. If you're on the uh, on the side of the ATAT, that view, you also have Finn, but he's like sitting down shooting uh, some uh, stormtroopers. Um, and you go up. Uh, I think the best one I would recommend is probably if you, if you could somehow manage it is the one at the front of the ATAT, ATAT because that you come head to head face to face with this ATAT. And it fires upon you. Like, and when it fires upon you, I don't know how this works. Maybe you've watched enough videos, Jacob, that you can tell me. Uh, but the blast, like those laser blasts, like go through the air right by you. And like, you know, again, destroying parts of the ship on the, the walls to the sides of you. Like, do, do you know how this works? I have no idea. All, all I know from my video watch through is that, <laughs> The the ATAT head on car definitely gets a better show. It, it, it going straight up and looking down into the cockpit of an ATAT uh, seems a lot more exciting than the other route. I'll say that for sure. And that's maybe the one thing that they just maybe add when they make when they do some refurbishments in a couple of years is add some other kind of dramatic effect for the other side because I feel like the other side gets shortchanged quite a bit here. Yeah, um, and it should be mentioned. I think this is the first time time we see inside the cockpit of an ATAT. We see like those troopers like they sit down at the controls and they we actually see them fire so there's like some anticipation there which is kind of cool and um we turn the corner and that's when we come face to face again with our other our how would you call it your your sister cart i guess uh, companion car maybe <laughs> companion car um and you both turn you see each other you say hi for a split second but you turn and you're now on the the bottom level level of like the star destroyer bridge like so if you remember in star wars there's these star destroyers on the bridge they have like these canyons that go down into like there's these like black how would you describe them jacob it's it's hard to describe like there's like these supercomputer kind of thing yeah you're on the lower level of the multi-tiered bridge uh whenever dark vader or color brand is like walking across at upper level you, you like see over the railing and see a bunch of people like working down below. You're down there. Yeah. 
but there's nobody lo- working down there. You're down there, and above you is Kylo Ren and Hux, and they're talking about uh, the Resistance, and uh, it's actually kind of a funny moment because Kylo says he wants to raise the shields, but Hux is like, there's no evidence the Resistance is coming. And just as he says that, the Resistance uh, jump out of hyperspace and, like, are in, like the window that's in front of them is outlooking the front of the ship. So, this like, is, I love this, Peter, because it's two animatronics interacting with uh, a screen, and <laughs> it, it, it looks pretty seamless. Yeah, and uh, just then, Kyle was told that the prisoners have escaped, which is us, and he turns around, and, and if you're on the vehicle to the uh, right... He like he turns around and like looks right at you, and he's like, "There's like no escaping me now." And he like starts walking as your you know vehicle uh, goes in reverse, and uh, you're now brought to this like elevator room, I guess you'd call it. Uh, they back up to this hallway. There's two these two elevators. Uh, we each get in an elevator, and uh, Kylo appears like in this like shaft and he's walking towards us as he ignites his lightsaber and uh the elevator's doors close just in time to save us jacob we are safe for a couple seconds yeah this is the effect that i'm really curious about because it looks cool on video how does it look in person when kylo ren tries to break into your elevator yeah he jumps on top of our elevator there is a lightsaber that comes through the top of the elevator and starts uh, creating a like a hole in the top of the elevator, like he is cutting a hole in the top of our elevator. Uh, I will say, if you watch the commercials for this ride, this effect looks a lot better in those commercials. Like it, it seems like they CG, like they used ILM to create what it would look like in the movies. In the actual elevator itself, it it doesn't look quite as good, but uh, I will say it took me three rides before I was like, oh, that's until I figured out how it was being done because it's it's a really crazy effect where this like lightsaber not only is coming through the top of your vehicle but is creating a hole in your vehicle it's like cutting a hole and uh it it, it is cool I, I would say that it, it's not as cool as the commercial but it it, it, it is very cool uh, but once again you escape in the nick of time right of course and um you uh i guess now it lets you out you, you get out of this elevator and you're in like the the level of the Star Destroyer where there's like these huge cannon guns. I'm sure they have some kind of in-universe name that I don't know, but uh, they're there and they're firing at the the Resistance fighters. And they're firing through force fields. There are screens. You can see the battle going on outside, right? Yeah, and it's cool too. It's like parallax. So as you move by the the, the screens, like it's moving kind of in a 3D space. It looks. I want to say it looks 3D, but it doesn't look like you're looking at a screen because as you're progressing by it, it looks like you're moving in a 3D space. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I feel, I feel like for everyone who's saying like this ride's too screen heavy, which it doesn't seem to be the case at all when you really break it down, okay. the fact that you know there is yes this highly detailed screen scene going on to your right, but it's interacting with these massive moving um, Death Star guns that every time they fire, they lurch forward to so feel like you could be hit any second, right? Yeah, and, and this is a part I feel like the videos do not – definitely does not do it justice because, like, it almost feels like a scene out of, like, Indiana Jones where these guns are firing and you have to, like, pick your moments to, like, progress forward or else that, like, gun is going to, like, crush you. So it's – um, and I know a lot of people have asked me, like, what – it 
what is this ride most like? Well, compare it to another ride, and I don't think you can compare it to any ride. But if I was going to compare it to any ride, it would be the first time I rode Indiana Jones Adventure in Disneyland because it has, like, these big, epic, huge scenes. It, it feels like a ride you've never been on before. Um, and it has moments like this where it, it really feels like uh, very Lucas. Like, this feels like a, a scene that Lucas would have created. And I yeah, guess and it I- also has the breakdown edge as well. <laughs> I, I, you know, Peter, I, as you know, I haven't been to Disneyland since I was a small child. I've never been on Indian Jones Adventure, but, you know, I've watched enough ride few videos because uh, I'm, that, I'm that guy that I think both of them have this commitment to telling story through action, uh, which I like. I love Universal Studios rides, but so many of those are let's move into a room, watch story and move on. Whereas here and we'll squirt some water at you. <laughs> yeah. Whereas here. The genius of this and Indiana Jones and the best, you know, the best event of Universal and Disney overall is that you feel like an active participant moving forward, even though you're not. Oh, for sure. And I'm actually wondering how much of the story in this ride will actually affect the rise of Skywalker, because you are on Kylo Ren's ship from from The Last Jedi, the uh I forget the name of it now. It's not, uh, but um, and basically, as you're moving uh, down the next hallway, Finn is on the comms. He's talking to the entire ship, and he's basically telling everybody to abandon ship because this star destroyer is going down. So, uh, in the course of this this ride, uh, we are destroying Kylo Ren's this big star star destroyer ship, which I guess is canon, right? And there's also a uh, General Organa is on this. Resistance base on Picara. So, is that going to be a part of the next movie? I don't know. Um, I'm assuming it has to be. But um, okay, so we uh, we're heading towards like this hallway. We're heading towards like some elevators. But Kylo appears behind us, and he's another. This is another animatronic Kylo. A and really he, impressive one too. <laughs> yeah, he's demanding the location of the secret base, and um, it's hard to see. Like this ride. There's so much going on. It's going to take you a few rides throughs to even grasp everything because to your you're talking. Kylo is intimidating. He's in front of you. He's demanding the secret base. But to your right, there's like these windows, you know, to screens of the battle going on outside. You know, you j- just went through a hallway where you saw the guns shooting, and there's a battle going on outside. And if you're not paying attention to the battle, you might be surprised. But there's like a Tie Fighter that gets shot. And starts hurling its way towards your ship, and it hits the background of like where Kylo is, and starts sucking like like the what would you call that? Like when uh, you get a breach in the, this, uh, uh, yeah, a whole breach like the end of Alien, where the alien gets sucked out. Except Kylo Ren is the alien. Yeah, uh, and here's I guess probably the only moment in the ride where it's not um, completely clear what happens. Um, it looks like, you know, you, and by the way, when, when this whole bridge happens, you feel it like the air, like there's these big fans that are like circulating air and you feel like the, you know, the hole has been breached and Kylo does something. And all of a sudden, like the part of a panel from the ceiling comes crashing down in front of him. Uh, so my question to you, Jacob, having seen this and I've talked to people that have ridden this ride and I, no, no one can come to a clear conclusion. Do you, do you think that the, the hull breach had taken down that piece of the ceiling in front of Kylo Ren? Or do you think Kylo used the force to take the ceiling panel down to close the hull breach while he jumps up through the ceiling 
panels to get towards us. I definitely read it um, for my POV as the uh, impact of the hull breach tearing down a bunch of wreckage and burying Kylo Ren. Hmm. Well, it did did not bury him, but um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, we then head to the escape pods, and these are these um, these vehicles that basically are going to be dropped down to Batu. Uh, we get into them, and this is the fourth ride. Of this whole thing. Yeah. This reminded me of Tower of Terror uh, at the Disney World version, where after you go up in the elevator, your elevator then moves forward, which, which if you don't know the ride, is so shocking. It's the last thing you expected was for your elevator ride to move on a different plane. And here, I noticed that when you first enter the room, there seems like these little locks on the, on the floor of the room that presumably are locking your vehicle in place, because now the entire becomes a temporary drop ride slash simulator. Yeah. And it's actually interesting, too, because, like, you do know that you're going up when you get to the ATAT room. But there's a moment later on where, you know, the moment where Kylo jumps on top of your elevator and is cutting through. That's an elevator that's supposedly going down. So, theoretically, if you're riding this not knowing anything about this ride, you think that, oh, that's bringing you back down from where you went up. That's the moment in the ride where it's bringing you back down to the first floor of this attraction building, but no, it isn't. So this is where you actually do this free fall, which I guess is a few stories. Maybe um, in the ride, it only feels like four or five seconds. I would say that the drop doesn't feel like a lot of people have been asking me, like how intense is this drop? It's not a tower of terror size drop. It, it, it's really just like a, a quick moment. And I would say honestly that the anticipation of the drop is more than the drop itself because you're in this, escape pod in front of you you see these other escape pods and as you're waiting there you're like looking through at the you know outside of the the ship and these other escape pods start dropping as people are escaping and you're you're just anticipating when is this gonna drop and it you know it does manage to get you and you drop and this goes into a full like motion simulator sequence like smugglers run or star tours and honestly this sequence of the ride is as good as those rides you know it's, it's shorter but it's you know it, as good of an experience like you feel like you're falling down in space and uh going navigating through star destroyers and stuff like that yeah and after this segment you reach maybe low-key my favorite moment of the entire ride based on my povs <laughs> which is once you're uh, escape pod lands back in Batu. You your vehicle exits. By, by but, the way, this is the third ride in a Disney park that has landed in Batu at the end of the ride. <laughs> uh, but once you land, you land outside. Your vehicle opens, and your vehicle you're out in the open air. You've landed literally on Batu. You've not landed into a building that has an unloading area. You have exited a star destroyer, exited your escape pod. You are back outside. The sky is above you, and just the uh, using nature as a transition here feels so powerful and does it feel powerful when you're in the vehicle oh it totally feels powerful and i, I will say that's uh, the first ride i ever got to go on it uh was the day before the media day i got like this uh brian got this call i was with him and he was like do you want to ride it right now and we were supposed to ride it the next day so like we ran over from epcot to hollywood studios to ride this and it was like as the sun was setting and we got on uh, you know we went into the queue when it was light out and by the time we're in this ride and you're 
uh, that crash landing onto Batu. Uh, it was nighttime, and it was like you know sun setting nighttime in that motion simulator, which isn't anything new. They do that in Smuggler's Run as well, uh, but it does you know change from night to day while you're doing that. And then when you actually crash into you know outside onto Batu at the end there, it's like yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it feels so special. Maybe it's that there's, there's, you know, what you said, it adds texture. Um, there, I can't think of another ride that ends outside that doesn't start outside. There's rides like it's a small world or Alice in Wonderland, which begin outside and load outside, but there's not a ride that I think that begins inside and ends outside. I think it's special because it really feels like the completion of a journey and so many dark rides, you know, you're in a room, you're a giant, a giant, giant room, giant building, and you begin end in that building. And here, the idea of starting outside, going inside, going outside, going inside again, <laughs> and then finally ending outside creates the illusion of having gone somewhere. And, and, and not even just that. You're not even just going inside, outside. Like, you're going inside a ship, and now you're in a Star Destroyer, and then you're in an escape pod. Then you're – I mean, like, it's, it feels like such a multitude – of environments and thing places you're going, it feels like you know a, a wide range. Yeah, uh, and you then like then you encounter a uh, animatronic of um of your uh, Mon Calamari lieutenant buddy who's uh, Beck, who's yeah. like sort of saying. I remember um there's a podcast you and I both listened to uh, Peter called Podcast the Ride, and uh, one of the hosts wants to talk about how he loves rides like like conclude with. A character from the ride telling you did a good job. It makes him feel special. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Lieutenant Beck does here. He yeah. tells you good job. He, um, you, you welcome to the resistance. And he, him and Finn are both very proud of you. And it's, and, and it's like, oh, all you do is sit there. All you do is sit there in the ride. But you're being treated like a hero, and that's—I <laughs> love that so much. Yeah, and the music swells. It's just like so perfectly executed, and it's also well done because, like, as you're exiting the that drop ship, uh, that um, escape pod. Like, basically, Finn's like, you're now a member of the Resistance. Like, wh- where's Commander Beck? And, like, everybody's looking for Commander Beck. And you turn the corner and you see his ship, like, crash-landed into that area, which, if you read the Black Spire books, it's uh, Savi and Son Salvage Yard. It's, like, built in this, like, old uh, abandoned ship that had crashed onto Batu long ago. Uh, and uh, I was actually surprised to see another animatronic. Like, it would it would be so easy to cheap out and have like a screen behind in, in in that escape pod or have him appear on a screen inside your vehicle or something like that but they you know they not only bought two two of those uh those um transport shifts but they bought two animatronic uh backs yeah and it, then you get off the ship and then you try to get into another boarding uh group and then you find out that it's all full for the day and uh, you come <laughs> back the next morning I, I I'll say this um many rides I'm on I feel like when you're on the ride even for the first two times you can kind of like figure out where the like you know this room leads to this room that leads to this room like you can see the in your head, the layout of the ride in, in this ride, when you're on the star destroyer, it really feels like you could go down any, which way, any, you could turn left and go down a hallway and there would be more star destroyer. It feels huge. It feels much bigger than it probably actually is. And, uh, that to me, like, I don't know. It's it just, I, 
Jacob, I've ridden this seven times now, and I know I'm lucky, and I'm probably one of the only people outside of Imagineers that have had the chance at this point in time to ride this ride that many times. But I I can't wait until it opens in Disneyland so I can ride it more because it, it's just such a great experience. I When I was publishing my video, which you can see, I'll link it in the show notes. I got two videos. I got one of the whole queue experience and then one of the actual ride itself. Um when I when I published that video, I wasn't sure. Like, is this my favorite ride? Like, it, it, I I I always resist. You know, in our position of being journalists, we always like you know try to like we're cynical. Like, sh- you know, I don't want to be too hyperbolic, but I really did feel the first time I wrote it, I was like, this is the best ride I've ever been on. Um, and I think the more and more I think about it, this is the best ride I've ever been on. Like I, I was kind of hesitant to say that when, when I wrote it, I said, I, I think in my headline, I said it may be the best ride ever or something like that. Uh, but I would, if I was going to you know change that now, I'd, I'd take out that maybe. I really think this is the best ride ever. Yeah, I'm as you know, Peter, I'm there's a very strong chance I'll be at Disneyland next year to hopefully check this out when it opens there. But I after after our flight of passage, I realized that, you know, when Disney builds a big new ride, they they mean it. Like they, they don't just like I, I, I'm such a big Universal fan, but Universal can be wildly hit and miss. It's like you know, are they going to crank thing out in a year that's magnificent or something that's, that's filling space? Whereas Disney takes a lot longer to make their decisions, and you and it can be agonizing wait for years between major rides. But then, then something of this or Flight of Passage opens, and you go, oh, it's because they are reinventing the game every time they do this. Yeah. I mean. Coming off this ride, there was a lot of conversations between the media there, like what's better, this or Flight of, pa- Flight of Passage? That seems to be the like the conversation, like does this beat Flight of Passage? And to me, Flight of Passage is, is so artistic, so emotional, but in the end, it is just an upgrade of Soren, right? Like as, as great as it is, it doesn't like you know it is a motion simulator ride with with glasses and it i feel like this is so much more than that and maybe if you take just the ride portion against the ride portion maybe because you know i've i've been brought to tears in flight of passage maybe that's a better ride i don't know like but i feel like it's a whole experience like this is you know just so much like what other ride can you say that you could spend like 30 minutes on from the time that you, you know, enter the story part moment in the queue to getting off on Batu. Yeah. That's uh, for me that the fact that it's being built, not as a ride, but as a like massive experience as, as you called it is vital here. And like, I, I think five passages is, is an incredible thing. I'm not a big avatar fan. That, that ride is yeah. one of the great experiences of my life, but this is a big, but here, uh, <laughs> Ava, five passage is ultimately still, let's encounter a series of events dramatically whereas uh rise of resistance is let's make you an active player in this story and that to me seems to make all the difference yeah no i i i can't wait for you to ride it jacob i can't wait to have that discussion i want to be there i want to be in the car with you as you as you as you see this thing uh, no, like when, when i hit disneyland next year peter fingers crossed that happens it's gonna be i'm gonna build a freaking lightsaber i'm gonna go i'm gonna go ride rise of resistance i'm gonna pile the million falcon uh i'm, I'm i am uh, oh god this trip needs to happen so I can ha- so I can touch base with you about this. Also, I-, I wanted to mention I was also there for the grand opening celebration, which took place the the night before it it opened. 
And during that, uh, they they had a series of things. I have a video on this that's going to be up, I think, tomorrow. Yeah, on Wednesday. Um, and it basically had like these – I don't know how to describe it. Like there was like a, a story moment with Hondo over by the Money and Falcon. And then the, it went into a moment with like Vi having to break into the TIE uh, fighter to get something. And it was all these moments that you had to kind of find throughout the night. And it added up to this experience that was like a prequel to this ride. Like you found out why, you know, why everything happened. And I almost, there was this lightsaber fight. There was TIE fighter drones in the sky. It was incredible. And I wish Galaxy's Edge could be like that every day. Um, And I I hope you guys can watch that video. But I, I think, I really hope that this ride is as successful as I think hope it's going to be because if it is then maybe they can bring some of this more these more like story moments around batu to batu because right like you know the, we've heard a lot about like what was cut in the, in the budget process of uh galaxy's edge and i i think some of this was intended like right now you have kylo ren he lands and kind of you know makes his way across batu with his stormtroopers looking for you know resistance spy resistance base and that's it we have the beginning of the story but we don't have anything more than the beginning of the story and i i I really hope that they add this middle of the story into this land and uh i'm excited that you guys are going to be able to see this in this video which will hit uh the site tomorrow all right so i I feel like with uh rise resistance so many people there's this sort of this sort of half-assed narrative that galaxy (laughs) edge was, was a failure uh because uh, uh, because there was like you know lower attendance than expected, but I feel like a lot of people were waiting for this to open, and I feel like this is going to be the thing that sells Galaxy's Edge as the experience people want to be in the first place. Yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, I I don't have any evidence of this, but I think a lot of people were waiting for the second ride to open before booking their, you know, a lot of people when they book their vacation to Disney World or Disneyland, it's something that they don't do every year. Um, I know some people are lucky to do that, and some people like me are lucky to live close and have annual pass. But you know, so, for some people, it's like a once in a, uh, a decade thing to get a trip to like the, these resorts. And I feel like a lot of people just put it off. Like they're like, first of all, there, it's going to be busy. There's going to be too many lines. We'll, we'll, we'll you know save it until that second ride is open. The land is fully open before we book our trip to Disney World and Disneyland. Yeah, that's definitely my case. I don't go to Disney World. Growing up, it was Disney World every four or five years, you know, and then it was longer gaps as I became an adult. So I feel like this is very much the kind of thing that will get me going back, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, this brings us to the end of a really long episode of Slash Film Daily. Uh, you can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find links to those two videos I mentioned in the show notes. You can find this podcast published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at SlashFilm.com. And please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you tomorrow.